time is a charm, my friends. Let's hope. Hello, and welcome to the Hearth and Hedge podcast. My name is Amberly, and I'm so pleased to have you join me today. I have recorded this episode three and a half times now. <laughs> so let's try it again. Why not? Uh, <laughs> today's episode was supposed to be about the history of the witch's hat, but that opened this whole can of worms, and I really want that episode to be better researched. And it's probably going to be a pretty long one because it involves uh, some pretty heavy stuff. So instead of the witch's hat, we're going to talk about forest bathing. Uh, before we get too far into this, I, know, I, I grew up in the desert. Um, there weren't forests easily accessible all the time. Um, but hiking in the desert or whatever nature you have available, even if it's your garden in your backyard or the city park, um, any of that can be beneficial as well. But today we are talking about forests. Let's talk. Um, nope. Let's try that again. <laughs> Shinrin yoku or forest bathing emerged as a term in Japan in the 1980s. Originally, it was used as a way to counteract the tech boom burnout and to inspire reconnection with the forests and hence the desire to protect them. In the 1990s, researchers began to study the practice and found scientific proof of physiological benefits. Basically, it proved what we all innately know, that spending time in nature is good for us. Right now, in the Northern Hemisphere, the autumn colors are blazing, and in the Southern Hemisphere, the beginnings of spring are appearing. This is the perfect time in both hemispheres to go enjoy some forest bathing. So let's talk about the science behind this. Let's talk phytoncides. It's a really weird word that essentially means killed by the plant. The term was coined by Soviet biochemist, Dr. Boris P. Token in 1928. Phytoncides are antimicrobial organic compounds that are created and released by plants. When humans breathe these in, our bodies respond by increasing the number and activity of a type of white blood cell called natural killer cells. These cells, kills, uh, these cells kill tumor and virus-infected cells in our body. A study performed in Japan in 2005 showed that the higher level of these natural killer cells lasted for over 30 days after a two to three day trip into the forest. Research also suggests that exposure to phytoncides can lower blood pressure, heart rate, and cortisol levels, as well as increase parasympathetic nervous system activity, which controls the, the body's ability to relax. You can go forest bathing by yourself, or I was, as I was researching this, I found a ton of um, guides that you can take. There's even actually a, a course to become a certified um, nature therapist or forest therapist or whatever. There's all kinds of, of great resources out there is all I'm saying. Um, now let's look at this from the standpoint of a witch. Um, spending time with nature obviously is kind of what we love to do, right? And it's a way to connect with our spiritual self and the spirit of the land. It's a chance to source spell materials, 
of course, we always know to ask and thank the land. And don't forget, it's a great chance to dance naked around a bonfire, which is what we witches do and pagans, right? Isn't it? I haven't ever done it, actually. But um, it's on my bucket list. <laughs> but always make sure that the fire danger is low. So now that we went through all of that, I want to share some stories about the forest with you now. Um, the stories are from a book called Lore of the Land, Folklore and Wisdom from the Wild Earth by Claire Cox Starkey and Samantha Dolan. So this book uh, was sent to me to review quite a while ago now. Uh, I talked about it at some point. Um, but I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to read a story from it and then share a little bit from the next page. This book is absolutely gorgeous. It's the kind of book that could become an heirloom and definitely one I think that your kids would remember as they get older, you read to them. Um, the art is stunning. The stories are great. And what I really, really love about this book is that no story is more than two pages long. So it is very parent-friendly. Um, and the kids will be equally happy with the colorful art. My kids are well past the age where um, I read them stories, but I haven't forgotten the frustration of kids picking a book that was way too long after a day that was equally as long. Um, so it's great. It's a perfect, it's a perfect win-win for parents and kids. The story I'm going to share is called Batushka and the Wood Maiden. It is a Czech tale and it's adorable. I'm so excited to share this. In a tiny ramshackle hut next to the woods lived Batushka and her mother. Every day, Batushka would take her goats into the forest to graze while she spun flax into thread on her spindle. Batushka had very little money, but she was a happy soul. As she walked through the woods, she would revel in the beauty of nature, singing and dancing all the while. One day, she noticed a beautiful grove of birch trees. She sat down under those swaying branches and began to work. After a while, she looked up to check on her goats, and her gaze was met by a lovely maiden with long flowing hair and a crown of flowers atop her head. I see you singing and dancing every day, and it makes me smile, she said warmly. Won't you put down your spindle and dance with me? Batushka took the lady's hands and followed her into the birch grove. The birds in the trees gathered and sang for them as they whirled and twirled together all day, never needing to stop for rest. The lady appeared again the next day and held out her hands for Batushka to join her in dance, but Batushka shook her head sadly. I cannot dance today for I must catch up with my spinning. The maiden told Batushka not to worry, and the birds started to sing. Batushka couldn't resist the melody, and together they danced. As the sun went down, they finally stopped, and Batushka was full of happiness until she remembered her empty spindle. Seeing her sadness, the maiden took the wooden spindle, and by some magic, the flax was transformed into a spool of perfectly spun thread. Oh, thank you, Batushka cried, and she skipped home. The following morning, the lady was at the grove waiting for her, and the pair spent another glorious day dancing among the trees. At the end of the day, the lady again filled the spindle with thread. 
How can I ever thank you? Batushka asked. It is I who must thank you for dancing so joyfully with me, the lady replied. I have put something in your basket to show my gratitude. Now go home to your mother. When Batushka returned home and her mother saw her glowing cheeks, she asked her what had happened. Her mother's eyes widened as Batushka told the tale. What luck you have danced with the wood maiden, she cried. Batushka showed her the spindle of fine thread, and as they unspooled it, they realized it would never run out. Next, they lifted the lid of the basket, and inside they found a pile of birch leaves that were turned to gold. Batushka and her mother cried with happiness, for they knew that they would never go hungry again. Batushka's mother hugged her daughter tight, proud in the knowledge that only those with the purest hearts get to dance with the wood maiden. Isn't that a great story? It's so cute. And the art is adorable. Uh, yeah, just absolutely beautiful. So now we're going to do some creation stories or read some creation stories of the forests. Um, forests once covered most of the land, as well as being homes to plants and animals. These vital places provided food, fuel, and shelter for the people who lived among them. As a result of their importance, woodlands feature in many creation stories from around the world. So we're going to start here in Virginia, where I live. A tale from the Potawatomi people of Virginia tells that humans were created by the great hare. Until the forests were ready, he kept the people in a sack. The great hare made a deer, but his fellow gods hunted and killed it. He sprinkled the deer's hair throughout the forest, and from each strand sprang a new deer. Then he let the humans out of the sack to live in harmony with the deer in the forest. In Maori tradition, the goddess Papatuanuku, I think I said that right, uh, who was Earth, and the god Ranganui, Sky, had such a tight embrace that they squashed their children in the darkness between them. Tane and his siblings decided to push their parents apart, letting in the light and allowing life to flourish. To hold up the sky, Tane created all the trees, and so he is god of the forests. Mayan legend tells that when the forests were first created, they were too quiet, so the gods filled them with animals. When the gods asked them to say their names, the animals only growled, barked, and chirped. Annoyed, the gods created hum humans who could speak and worship their creators. In Norse mythology, Yggdrasil is the enormous ash tree that holds the whole cosmos together. Its snow-tipped canopy rises above the clouds and its roots burrow into the depths of the underworld. Kernunos uh, is the Celtic god of the forest. He has long shaggy hair and a beard and wears a crown of antlers. He embodies the forest and acts as the guardian to all the animals within it. In Lithuanian folklore, Medeina is the mother of the forests and she looks after all the trees, plants, and animals that reside in the woods, protecting them from hunters. Uh, I would suggest anyone, even if you don't have kids, this book is just so beautiful and such a fun read. Um, so worth it, worth it, worth it, especially for pagans. 
we love those sorts of stories. Um, so for today's card pull and ritual, I'm actually sharing from uh, Maya Toll's Illustrated Herbiary, um, the accompanying book. Uh, and today's card is Hawthorne. Hawthorne remembers a time when local gods watched over knolls and wells, frolicking and making mischief in, their, in her branches. She remembers her limbs hung with strands of beads glittering in the sun and scraps of fabric fluttering in the wind like prayer flags. Offerings to the land itself and to the gods who kept alive the vital conduit between spirit and matter. Those days are mostly past, but Hawthorne holds the portals open, knowing these interconnections provide true nourishment to keep the heart whole. If Hawthorne appears for you, strengthen your heart and guard it from homesickness by tending the connections between the spirit realms and the material world. In Ireland, Hawthorne is used to create hedgerows that form the boundaries of pastures. These hedgerows create a patchwork of contiguous spaces, each energetically unique and held by Hawthorne's thorns. Hawthorne hedgerows are different from the solitary Hawthorne. A singular Hawthorne or fairy tree is a portal to the spirit realm. It nurtures your connection, nurtures your connection to the other world, feeding your soul the food of dreams and stories. It's bad luck to cut down a fairy tree. If you do, you damage this necessary connection with the collective unconscious. Many landscapes around the globe lost their genius loci, a spirit of place, when natural land landmarks were removed to way... Jesus, I don't know why this sentence is always so difficult for me. <laughs> Many landscapes across the globe lost their genius loci, or spirit of place, when natural landmarks were removed to make way for roads, buildings, and other human endeavors. You can reanimate the genus loci in the landscapes you call home with a simple visualization. Do it as often as you feel called. Begin by either walking or reimagining the boundaries of your space, whether you define it as your land, your neighborhood, your house, or the contours of your fifth floor apartment. When you have a clear idea of the breadth of space you're anchoring, identify the umbilicus, the physical and energetic center of that space. From this spot, imagine a golden cord dropping into the earth, sinking until it roots itself in the molten core at the earth's center. Feel the vibrancy, the aliveness of its connection. Next, Send a silver cord from the same central point up to the heavens, allowing the energies of moonlight and starshine to infuse your space with light and peace. Your space is now anchored to earth and sky, a part of a larger whole. In times past, you wouldn't have wandered terribly far from the place where you were born and raised. The world is different now, and you have the glorious opportunity to call many places home. And yet your heart sometimes longs for a landscape vastly different from the one in which you find yourself. If you do not feel connected to the place where you live, or your heart doesn't call it home, or if you don't feel the gentle pulses of the earth, then use this ritual 
to help you feel connected. And that, my friends, is the end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I really hope that when I listened to it, it worked. (laughs) And we'll see you next time. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at The Hearth and Hedge, on my website, thehearthandhedge.com, or you can email me at thehearthandhedge at gmail.com. I also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash thehearthandhedge. If you like what you hear, consider leaving a review wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you.